Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. This is episode 92 of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I have Jared Hanning on the show. Welcome to the show. Ah, happy to be here. Absolute pleasure. So I usually start off every podcast with a, an introduction to um, who you are, what do you do now, and how did you come to the position you're in now? Uh, I guess we'll start with how I got here. Uh, I was a classical musician for 20 years, principal viola with the South Carolina Philharmonic. And during that time, I would travel and speak, and I was teaching entrepreneurs how to use different parts of their brain on demand. Um, and about 10 years ago, I was speaking at a conference, and this guy, uh, he comes up to me. He, he knew what I was doing uh, with the brain and language and emotion. And he goes, hey, have you ever tried the mind scan? And I had, I had never heard of the mind scan at the time and I took it and I'm actually going to hold up a picture of it right here because you'll see why it was so revolutionary. Um, the picture I'm, I'm showing has kind of a, a unique way of mapping out the way the brain solves problems and, uh, revealing blind spots in the thinking patterns, um, which is crazy, right? Anyway, way, when I saw that it was the missing link for the work I was doing. Um, I could show you how to use different parts of your brain, but I couldn't show you how you were currently doing it. And because of that, I didn't have like the roadmap to get you out of the weeds. Uh, so that's my story. I came from classical music and for the past 10 years, I've been in mindset. I'm a trainer at a mindset gym. We teach you how to do mindset pushups and um, we take the guesswork out of it by using the Nobel nominated mind scan. Well, let me ask you something. Like a couple of questions came out of that. Like one is why the switch from classical music to what you're doing today? Like why switch? Like there had to be like, was there an underlying reason or you just sort of got as far as you wanted to go and then just decided you want to change? Well, I would say two things. Um, this, the work I'm doing now has always been attractive to me. Uh, it's, I mean, even when I was in classical music, I was doing that work, right? I was speaking and coaching and teaching, um, but ultimately going from full-time classical income to uh, performance trainer at the gym income was because after 20 years, I, I just, classical music was no longer what I felt life was calling me to do next. I felt it was time for me to step up to something new and create that. And, and this was it. There was another factor though in the classical space, which was uh, as my son's getting older, uh, I was really tired of classical music conflicting with, you know, baseball practice or Cub Scout Pinewood Derby or something like that. Um, and so it was, it was time to just go full self-employed so that I would never have those conflicts again. Right. I get that part. That makes sense. So a lifestyle change was also a contributing factor there. So, that's, well, that's good. I mean, I think, I think in life we're going to change numerous times. Um, a lot of times when, when we think of change, we think about, uh, you know, jobs where people are going from one job to another job to, you know what I mean? And that's mm -hmm. generally how people think of it. But the truth of the matter is we're always progressing or degressing and it's never staying the same. And part of growth can be sometimes shifting and pivoting to different direction or different areas. Sometimes it's within the same area, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes we peak out or we have mm -hmm. our why isn't there anymore. So we shift. So that, that is common, right? So, uh, and that's where I was going to go with that. And that's why I brought it up to point out to anybody watching or listening that, um, you know, it, it doesn't, change doesn't come just from having a job. Change comes within. 
So, and in terms of, uh, you said the whole uh, mindset gym and all that, explain that to me because I'm not sure what that is. So the mindset gym is where we do mindset push-ups. And mindset push-ups are important because you can't change thinking with thinking. Um, whatever's going on in your business, whether you don't have enough time, don't have enough money, don't have the confidence, um, don't have the clarity of what's going on. I mean, whatever's going on, we can't change that by adding thinking to it. You're already thinking. Um, th this idea of working smarter, it's a, I mean, it's a lie, right? You can only think of what already makes sense. That There, there is no smarter. <laughs> uh, but what we do instead is we go through the body. And by putting the body into new experiences, the brain rewires itself to make sense of those new experiences. And the illustration I give here is riding a bicycle. When you're five years old, they take off the training wheels. You don't have it. Um, and in that state where you don't quite have it yet, your crazy aunt Jenny comes by with some advice and she says, Hey, what you need to do is go faster because when you go faster, it's easier to balance. And you think to yourself, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. If I can't balance going slow, how is going fast going to help? Well, this is exactly where you're at when you're stuck in that situation. Don't have enough time. Don't have the money, whatever's going on. People come by with well-meaning advice and your brain goes, that's the dumbest idea I have ever heard. Okay, so back to the bicycle. One day on the bicycle, you went a little bit um, faster. Maybe you went downhill. Maybe your dad pushed you too hard. I'm not sure what happened, but your body felt a new sensation for the first time. And immediately your brain rewired itself. It went, oh my gosh, now I get it. Well, here's the important thing. Before your body felt the difference, no amount of information made a difference. After your body felt the difference, no amount of information was needed. So rather than like uh, advice or coaching, we just take you through the mindset push-ups. And by taking your body through those experiences, it rewires the way your heart and mind work together. Right. Now, what I meant is that like prime example, you said the mindset gym, right? So mm -hmm. when you say gym, I'm, I'm picturing good life fitness or Bali fitness or something like that. Oh, it, it's a virtual space. It, it's a virtual space. Okay. Like take us through the process. How, how, how does that work? Like how do I, for example, I'm in touch with you. I'm interested in your service. How does that? So, well, the yeah. first thing that happens is somebody takes the mind scan. Um, they get their thinking patterns mapped out. And based on that experience, half the people that take the mind scan, they're like, excellent. This is, you know, very helpful. I know exactly what to do. I know how to think this way. I know how to make these changes. This has been very helpful. The other half of the people that take the mind scan, they say, whoa, whoa, wait, hold on. How do I learn to think that way? Like, how do I get my brain to start solving problems like that? Uh, well, you need to come to the mindset gym uh, because we can't tell you what to do. We can't advise you. Um, your body simply has to experience the difference. So at that point, we start doing the mindset push-ups. Uh, mindset push-ups are experiences um, that when you feel that sensation in your body, then your brain makes sense of it. Um, so we're effectively putting the clarity that you need inside you and putting the confidence that you need inside you. And then your brain goes, oh my gosh, why didn't I see this earlier? Okay, but how? Like, I mean, like, like, yeah, like, I know you take the scan. That's I, I, I've understood that. You, you take the scan. I'm, I'm now, do you have a scan, or do you go to a hospital? How do you get the scan? Okay, so the the scan you take online. Uh, it is digital. You can take it anywhere in the world. Um, it's easy, a little bit easier to take on your computer 
than it is like um, an iPad or iPhone or something like that. It's a little bit easier to take on the computer just because the screen's bigger. Um, it takes most people 15 or 20 minutes to go through that. Um, and then after that, we pull it up on the screen. We have like a Zoom meeting, kind of a you know virtual experience. And we go through your graph and we go through your graph together. And that's where new connections are made and insights and ahas are happening, um, which is it's just it's an amazing call. It's a really, really rewarding call. Um, and then after that, if somebody wants, they can start coming to the Mindset Gym to rewire those thinking patterns. Um, and again, rewiring happens by taking your mind and your heart and your body through new experiences, things it hasn't experienced before. Right. Okay. Now, how does it work? Again, right. Keep in mind, I keep going back to, I think I'm going to good life fitness and I know that's not the case. So I'm trying to understand when I, when I have an appointment to go to this gym, mm -hmm. how does that work? Where's the connection? And like, is there any equipment involved? Like how does it? How, how does it? No, no physical equipment, no physical equipment. You'll, you'll hop on a zoom call with a, a trainer and the trainer will walk your mind and your body through some different things that you might not have experienced before. Um, and in, it's the process of going through those things and feeling new energy in your body, feeling that energy in different places, feeling that energy in different colors, um, in shapes. It's that process that the brain rewires itself. And that's how you get out of the weeds. So you're not overwhelmed. You're not like in operations. You're not constantly like shooting from the hip, trying to get things done. Um, that's how we start to teach your brain to think from a higher level. Right. Okay. Um, I get that. Um, sort of. I kind of get it. I, I, you're working one-on-one -on -one with someone, basically. It, so, it is one-on-one. -on -one, yes. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Now I understand that part. And we guide them through uh, different things to do with their body. We guide them through different things to do with their mind. Um, we present their mind with puzzles that it has never solved before. And it's in the process of solving these new puzzles that the brain is making new connections. And that's where we get more clarity, more creativity, more confidence. Right. So you're basically teaching a different way to think. Um, so to speak. The brain kind of teaches itself a different way to think. Um, we're just giving it the puzzles that it needs to fight with and wrestle with the resistance, if you will, the mindset push-up um, that causes that to happen. Um, some of these push-ups have elements in them um, that are NLP based or hypnosis based. Um, some have elements that are physiology based. There's different ways you can change the electricity in your body and the way it flows. Um, to create different emotional paths in your mind. Um, so the push-ups are made of a lot of different elements, uh, but it does happen one-on-one um, -on -one in, in a Zoom call. Right. Now, how did you, like, how did you learn this stuff? If... A lifetime. <laughs> a lifetime. <laughs> um, so I, I have always been in this space. I've always been in the mindset space. I've always been in the body space and the psychology space. I've always been there. Even when I was in classical music, um, I was teaching people how to access different parts of their brain on demand. Um, but then 10 years ago, when the mind scan came along, it was like, oh my gosh, this is the missing link I've been looking for. Now I can, now I can make an even bigger difference with more people. Right. Okay. Well then what's your really, like, for example, when you stopped with the classical music, you want like your general why was to spend more time with your family, right? Um, personal fulfillment. Yeah. Classical music was no longer, um, exciting. I began to resent going to practice and gigs and teaching lessons. And like, I, 
it was it was no longer personally fulfilling. Um, I had a personal need to step into a new space full time and and to grow in a different way. Um, then there was the practical consideration that it it was no longer in alignment with my values, namely spending time with my son. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I had to go. Yeah, exactly. Um, where I was going with this is like what I meant by it is that like. Obviously, this is going to be, you know, the entrepreneurship in general is the road less traveled, right? So obviously, when you're ready to make a transition, one of your factors was, like you said, personal fulfillment and time with your, uh, you know, with your, with your kid. So why choose entrepreneurship over just having something like a nine to five or something that would still give you the timetable that you're looking for? Well, uh, I don't know that it would give me the timetable. Um, with the nine to five, you now have budgeted, uh, you get this many days off and you can only take them if somebody is available to cover your spot and you can't take them with, with a nine to five, there's infinitely more restrictions immediately in place. Um, being self-employed, I don't have those restrictions. If my kid gets sick at school, bam, I just go pick him up. I don't need to call anybody for permission. If, if something changes in my kid's schedule and now it's happening on Thursday instead of Tuesday, I don't have to call anybody. I can just go. Um, so entrepreneurship gives me freedom in ways that nine to five does not. Um, that doesn't mean it's better. It is certainly a trade-off. Um, I have more responsibilities in many ways, um, more expectations, more burdens in many ways. Um, but I also have less restrictions when it comes to my schedule and who I spend time with and where. Makes sense. So yeah, and that's the ultimate meaning of entrepreneurship basically, which is, you know, you basically can't picture yourself doing anything else, right? Like, most I, people, yeah, I can't, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm unemployable. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly where I was going with it is, you know, sort of presenting the audience with that, what, what entrepreneurship looks like beyond the surface. Mm hmm. Right? Like people don't just do this because they woke up one day and just said, hey, I hate my job. Let me just try something on my own because I don't know what else to do with myself. That doesn't happen. Cool, yeah. Right. You're doing it because you have this desire, this inner, inner burning that it's got to be this way. So I get that. that. That's awesome. Now, what would you say was the biggest struggle throughout the process? Like what I mean is like because obviously transitioning is you just stop like that one day made the, the transition. I'm sure you didn't just well, wake up like that. You probably had some Even in classical music, I was still mostly self-employed. Yes, of course. Um, it, I didn't have like one employer. Um, I was still self-employed. I, um, I was teaching lessons. I was playing gigs. I was booking gigs. I was playing in the symphony. I had cobbled together a lot. I was selling retail, retail uh, musical supplies and instruments and that kind of thing. Um, I had cobbled together, you know, a lot of different instant income streams. Um, I was just leaving music as income sources into mindset as income sources. Okay. Um, so you're saying it was complete smooth. No, you've not, you know, you didn't have any struggle in the transition at all. For me, for me, it was, I, I was already doing it. it. It was just right, right. a different type of doing it. Um, for, so, so for me, for me, there wasn't, I mean, there was, um, as far as not smooth struggle, there, there was a time that, um, I wrestled for a couple months with leaving, uh, my position as principal viola. Um, and, and I struggled with that because I had worked my whole life to get here, to have the skills to play on that level, 
um, to be able to take advantage of the opportunity because um, that's not a position that opens up. Usually when somebody has that chair, they keep it for 20, 30 years. Um, so to leave that, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm actually thinking about leaving that. And so it took a while. I, I was really having to get clear on my values, what was most important and where did I see myself, you know, 10 years into the future. And one of the questions that somebody asked me that really helped, and I'd certainly offer this to anybody listening, if you're kind of going through, gosh, what should I do? What is the right choice? What, oh no, what do I do? And the question is worst case scenario. Um, so it was asked to me like worst case scenario, I leave principal viola and a year later, oh my gosh, I have just incredible clarity now. And it was the wrong decision. And I totally regret it. Oh my gosh, it was the wrong worst case scenario that happens. What do I do now? And I realized, well, um, I would just draw a circle on the map and within a two hour drive, there are 14 other symphonies. And surely one of them is going to have a principal viola opening in the next three to five years. That's what I would do. And when I realized that suddenly I was free to move in a way without consequence. Um, recently we had kind of a similar situation come up with my son and his baseball. Uh, we were on this great team that we loved. We had great relationships with all the parents. We absolutely loved it. But for him, he was kind of head and shoulders above all the other kids. And so we were like, golly, you know, maybe, maybe he should be on a team where he has with other people that are like him that hit as far as he does and throw as fast as he does. Maybe we should move to that team. The risk was what if we move over there and he doesn't like it? You know, like what if it's too competitive? What if we move over there and we don't like the parents, <laughs> you know, what if we leave? Cause you can't just like go back to your team. Cause they're going to fill that spot with another player. And that was the risk. And so we were back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it just came down to, okay, worst case scenario, worst case scenario. We, we, we move, he does a couple tournaments on this level, decides he doesn't like it. What do we do? Worst case scenario. Well, we would just sit out the rest of the season and then start with a new team, you know, in the, in the summer, like worst case scenario, it's not permanent. <laughs> you, you have choices. Of course. Now, I'm noticing that you use worst case scenario a lot as your backup. I'm just curious to the mindset on that, because sometimes like there's different ways to look at things, right? Like mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, it's sort of like you, uh, What's the term? I think Anthony Robbins says you you, you blow up the boat, right? So yep. when you're all, you're burn all the bridges. In. Yeah, burn the bridges. That's it, yeah. right? Versus um, I think you're very more thought out. And I guess it would make sense if you're in the mindset business to be thought out. Um, okay, so why worst case scenario for bringing clarity to making decisions? Um, well, for me, ultimately, because it works. Um, when I'm stuck and I'm not sure what to do, should I take option A or option B? Worst case scenario, for, for whatever reason, for me, brings incredible clarity um, and peace. I think the reason is worst case scenario addresses the unspoken fear. And it's the fear that always screws us up. Best case scenario um, is kind of imaginary. Well, golly, if I go this route, you know, I might make 100,000. If I go this route, though, I might make a million. Um, and that that's exciting and that's interesting, but it doesn't necessarily answer the deeper questions of purpose and fulfillment, um, these kind of emotional values. 
And the worst case scenario, worst case scenario, you pick the wrong choice. Okay, what now? Uh, many times for me, I realized the wrong choice is not permanent. I can always go back. And now I have momentum. I'm no longer stuck. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we have a, uh, a comment, nice way of thinking. So someone watched. Um, I happen to know who it is because I saw it's Tafik. Thank you for watching. Um, now, yeah, so I, I like that. I get that point now. I get that point totally. Now, every person, when they get into a venture, there's always that question of whether they chose the right venture or not the right venture. Um, so they have what I call the aha moment, saying, I am exactly where I should be, and I got here at the right time. And we all realize it at different points. And, of course, that could change. What was your aha moment? Or do you have one? Oh, golly. Um, many decisions after the fact, I realized, yes, this is exactly where I need to be. Um, a few aha moments. Um, one aha moment happened when I was in classical music. Um, so the 20 years there, there were many times where I would be practicing my instrument and just felt total alignment in my body. I was doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing. Um, there was also times when I would be out skydiving. Um, skydiving was a favorite hobby I had for many years. And anytime I would be in the airplane, I would just have that incredible alignment in my body. I'm doing exactly what I am supposed to be doing. Um, now, in the space of mindset, um, there's many times I'll, I will get off a call with somebody after taking them through some new mindset pushups um, that it is, yes, I am doing exactly what I am supposed to be doing. Um, this is good for me. It's good for the world. It's good for my family. Um, those are those alignment moments for me. Right. Okay. Now, sometimes people feel stuck, right? Like, and even if, like, or what am I trying to say here? Like, like if I feel stuck, I, I feel like I know deep down I want out of whatever I'm doing, but I feel stuck in what I'm doing. How would, you know, have you experienced that before or do you, or, or how would you handle that if somebody came to you with that uh, scenario? Uh, golly, so many things you can do um, and, and they're free. They're, they're free to do. Uh, for me, stuck, worst case scenario, right? Okay, you're stuck. Uh, you, you're, you're stuck paying your mortgage. You can't, right? You're, you're stuck in the relationship. You're stuck in the, in the job. Whatever, whatever the situation, you're stuck living in that town, right? Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, you leave it, you move, you end it, you change. Worst case scenario, what now? And you realize that that was the wrong thing to do. Okay, what now? What now? Um, you might find that there are way more opportunities and uh, options and other things that you can do, uh, which is pretty exciting. Um, so for the, the getting stuck business, um, what I would say, though, is to getting unstuck we can't change thinking with thinking. Uh, you can't think your way through it. Um, there is no like you're going to get a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle and you're going to go pros and cons. Pros and cons. Yes, no, yes, no. No, that's not how decision making works. Decision making is a value issue. It, it's an emotional clarity issue. And you cannot get that in your current situation. You have to get out of your situation to get it. So, um, for example, um, you're not sure if you should move. You're not going to get clarity on that in your current city. Get out of town, go visit another city and sit in a coffee shop in that city and talk to people. And by talking to people in that town, I promise you'll have clarity on whether or not you should move. 
um, you're stuck. You're not sure if you should continue this line of work or uh, start a new line of work. Well, go talk to people in that other line of work. And by talking to them, you will get the information that you need. Like people, some people, they bring up skydiving. Like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. But you could tell as they're talking about it, part of them wants to. Okay, you will never be able to make that decision sitting in your house. So this is what you do. Leave your credit card at home. Like protect yourself. Make sure that there's no way you could accidentally go skydiving and go out to the airport and watch people jump and talk to them and get to know them and ask questions. And after a couple hours watching actual skydiving take place, I promise your brain will have the information it needs to know should you go skydiving. Now you can drive back home, get your credit card, and go jump. Um, but you can't make that decision without the information that you get from being in that new space. Well, good point. Yeah, I get it. So it's kind of aligns to what I think. Action is louder than words, right? You can't, you can think yourself to death. I mean, like it's, and allow, you know, what I call is analysis paralysis, which many people fall into that trap, constantly analyzing everything and never really doing anything. Um, so obviously by taking action, you're going to get an answer one way or another. Makes sense. I get that point. Now, what would you tell a person who is basically in their job as an example, but they want to you know, get into entrepreneurship or some form of business. They had this dream of growing up, but they've always been hesitant. And now they decide that they're almost ready to take the leap. What would you uh, tell them to do? Like, yeah, what would your advice be on how to get started or should they get started? Well, entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. Um, it, it's not, it's a different set of values. Um, I remember a friend of mine, he, um, he, he was employed um, and his employer said, okay, uh, business isn't going well and we won't be able to keep going this route and um, we're going to have to end your position nine months from now. And so he was given notice, right? You have nine more months in your current position. After that, you'll need to be working someplace else. Nine months of secured income. And he absolutely freaked out, went into a total panic. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I only have nine more months of income. Oh no. What? Okay. I was like, dude, you are not meant to be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs will have like one month, one week, one day where if we don't fix this problem, we don't know what's going to happen next month. Um, you are not meant to be an entrepreneur you need in steady employment income. Um, so being an entrepreneur is not for everybody. Um, I'm not saying everybody should do it. It's certainly not glamorous. There are plenty of risks and challenges and it, no, it is not for everybody. Um, be an entrepreneur. If you value freedom in your schedule, if you value self-expression, uh, be an entrepreneur. If you value finding out what you're really capable of, because entrepreneur is a cold, unforgiving mirror. You, what you make or don't make, how much free time you have or don't have is only a reflection of you. Um, so yes, it's a double-edged sword. Um, it's good and it's bad. Be an entrepreneur if you want to find out what you were really capable of. Um, be an entrepreneur if you can't not do it. Um, but don't be an entrepreneur because you think you're going to have more free time or make more money. Um, it doesn't always work that way. 
namely because it's just not a good fit for anybody. So how do you get unstuck? How, how would you get started? Uh, you just get started, right? Uh, here's the deal. Here's the rule. You were allowed to read three books. That's it. Three books on your new venture. After that, you have to actually do something. And if you can't do something, entrepreneurship probably isn't for you. The thing with entrepreneurs is they don't need courses. They don't need books. They just go out and figure it out. They just start doing it and they learn as they go. People who aren't ready for that, there's no limit to another seminar and another coach and another video and another, there's just no limit because they aren't really ready to start taking action. So how do you do it? You just do it. But back to skydiving, it's a little easier if you actually go out and have lunch and talk to real entrepreneurs, um, because that will give your brain the information it needs to realize maybe entrepreneurship isn't what you thought it was. Very true. Now, here, let me ask you something, because I've been an entrepreneur my whole life as well. Now, what I find is that the hardest thing sometimes can be anticipating tomorrow. Now, you can build a business where it's almost predictable, but it's never like a regular paycheck where you know on Friday the check is coming. So sometimes future planning, such as so-called retirement, which most entrepreneurs never retire, not because uh, they can't, but because they didn't start doing things because they're the type of person who could just sit at home. Usually they can't sit still, so that's why they're out doing, mm -hmm. creating. But point is, where I'm going with this is that future planning can be difficult at times because sometimes you get in a position where you started future planning, you started putting away, you started building that, then something comes up. And now it's not easy because sometimes the temptation to remove that future planning, as I'll call it, is there. Now, some people are okay with that. Some people are not. But what I'm saying is, how do you handle future planning? Like, how do you handle that stuff? Um, because it's sort of the other way around. Uh, what, what you described is somebody is saving money, saving money, and then something happens. And they're like, oh, crap. I need to pull some of that money to whatever, fix the car or whatever, get my kid a car or whatever. It's like, oh crap. I would say that's not a future planning problem. That's a present planning problem. That, that's a present emergency. Um, so the answer to the question for me is I make the decision from the future, not from the present. There will always be something on fire that needs all of your attention in the present that seems like the end of the world. That will always be the case. So for me, I make the decision from the future. Three months from now, what am I going to be glad that I did? A year from now, what will I be really glad that I did today? Um, and that tends to give me the clarity I was missing on what to do. Right. I get what you're saying there. Now, I, you know, it's just different perspectives. I um, like prime example. I'm always all in. There is no future. There is no planning. It's I'm in. <laughs> like I jump in, you know, head first, and then try to turn myself so I land on my feet. <laughs> but then that's my personality. That's mm -hmm. what I've always been. Which yeah. is probably why I've struggled doing the nine to five. Meaning I've done very little of it. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So there's different approaches to everything. Uh, let's see what else I was going to say. Uh, yeah. Okay. So like future wise, what do you see? Like, do you see yourself 
doing this till you're six foot under? Do you see yourself with an exit plan or is that still to be determined? Oh, six foot under. Yeah. I mean, there's not like a stopping. Um, now I might not, uh, personally be running the mindset gym that whole time, uh, but I will be doing something else. <laughs> I will be birthing something else into reality. Uh, I won't, I can't not, um, I have to be creating or I, I don't feel like I'm alive. Makes sense. Now, now I'm going to take it a little bit on the personal side. Hopefully it's not too personal. Obviously your uh, son is going to be uh, subjected to you know, the entrepreneurial life growing up, he's going to see it firsthand. Mm -hmm. And now it comes time for him, he's going through the schooling system and stuff. And he decides, as an example, he does not want to do university. Uh, but he's interested in starting something. What is your advice to him? Um, to go start it. Like, just, just go do it. Um, worst case scenario, you fail. Okay, fine. Go to university. Um, like worst case scenario, you start it and you realize you don't like it. Okay, fine. Stop. Start something else. Uh, worst case scenario, you fail and you don't like it. All right. Well, go get a job with a company that you like the kind of work that they're doing. I mean, <laughs> just go screw it up. That's my advice. Go screw it up and find out what you like better. Um, I, I don't have too many worries about that. Um, so he is currently 12, uh, by the time university is even a question, I don't think we'll still have university as we know it. Um, more and more big companies uh, are not valuing your degree. They're valuing your, your product. Um, all right, show us, demonstrate that you can create what we're looking for. Um, so I'm not too worried about the university question, um, of course, at the same time, right? He's 12. Yeah, I have no idea what he's going to be when he grows up. <laughs> true. Well, that's true because things change. At 12 years old, it's not going to be the same as 14 years old. But I was just curious on your position on that. And I do agree with you about our uh, education system gonna, is going to be completely different in a few years. So uh, it, it, can't, it can't resemble something that was created to basically cater to people in the 70s and we're in 2022. Yeah. Right. So it's that old school mentality. Just it's not there. I mean, kids grew up going through high school with no financial concept whatsoever. They graduate and just go figure it out on your own, which is fine for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But as we see some uh, disasters out there, it shows that what exactly were they learning? Right. So it's just old school education. And, and you're right. It needs to be updated. But. It is what it is. So, but yeah, I was just trying to see where your mindset was in terms of that. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, okay, like how long have you been in, in the business so far? I didn't think I uh, I've been uh, in the mindset gym for the past 10 years and I was classical music for 20 years before that. Wow. I did not expect the 10 years part. I didn't think it was, uh, you know, 10 years yet. That's yeah, awesome. A great ride. Yeah, man. Like, I'm sure there's been a lot of adventures there. Um, what? Okay, like, so you've been in it for ten years. What's your like? What, what's your growth plan? Like, what's your like? What is your future plan with it? And like, how do you see yourself scaling? 
Uh, future plan is to take the mindset pushups, uh, take them online and uh, break them down into simpler models. So it's a little bit easier for people to walk themselves through the mindset pushups. That's the, that's the next step. Ah, okay. So uh, some form of automation basically, which is where things are and that's mm -hmm. good. Um, that's awesome. So any last words of advice for entrepreneurs before we go into a lightning round? Um, advice for entrepreneurs. Uh, I would just quote Tony Robbins here. We overestimate what we can do in a day and underestimate what we can do in a year. Um, rather than looking for a shiny object, quick fix for whatever the emergency is, um, it's best just to keep doing what works, no matter how boring it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I struggle with that one too. If it's boring, I tend to want to move on. <laughs> but um, that's awesome. I wanted to, before we get into a fun lightning round, why don't you let everyone know how they can find you online? Um, mindsetperformance.co. Uh, you can uh, try the mind scan for yourself. Um, and I'm also pretty active, Jared Hanning, on Facebook. Fantastic. So now what I do sometimes is uh, what I call the lightning round. It's just a little uh, fun questions, you know, personal questions, just for kind of uh, entertainment in a sense. Right? Like, like one of the questions I, I usually ask, and I'm going to ask, should I say, is uh, what's your favorite type of food? Favorite food is Mexican food. I love hot sauce. Really? Yes. That's interesting. I, I, I like Mexican as well. I'm not going to say it's my favorite, but I do like it. Um, what is your uh, favorite, um, what was I going to say, favorite uh, podcast? Favorite podcast would probably be a cross between um, old, the old Joe Rogan, like um, starting before COVID. Yeah, yeah. I um, uh, really, really enjoyed those episodes. Um, or uh, I listen to a lot uh, now of some, some religious, uh, religious podcast hosts, people that used to have um, a lot of faith and now they're more like agnostic or atheist. Um, I, th I think it's fascinating uh, learning how their mind works and, and how they think and make decisions. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's really interesting to me. Uh, so I tend to listen to a lot of that. Interesting. Um, do you read? I was going to say, if you do, what is your favorite, like what would been your favorite book? Favorite book of all time is pretty close to, there's a, a couple of them. Psycho-Cybernetics was, was an early one that I really loved. Um, the War of Art was also a great one that I super. Oh, there, there's the book. Um, here, it, here it is, The War of Art, Stephen Pressfield. Um, amazing, amazing book for anybody who's in the creator space. And of course, uh, can't go wrong with the Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz. Interesting. Now, um, favorite vacation spot? Favorite vacation spot for me is not the beach. I do not enjoy going to the beach. <laughs> Um, I do like the mountains, but mainly, mainly because I like snow skiing and mountain bike riding. Um, so my favorite vacation spot is going to have some kind of terrain to it. Okay. That's interesting. Um, favorite hobby? Skydiving. Ah, so that's why I use the skydiving example because it's something you've done yourself. That's awesome. How many, have you begun uh, skydiving often? I don't, no, I don't have a whole lot of jumps. I've only got like 360 jumps, something like that. Um, <laughs> Just... In the skydiving space, that's, that's not on a whole lot. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I love it. It's just that now my weekends are taken up with baseball tournaments for my kid. So we're not doing a whole lot of jumping these days. 
I hear you. Well, baseball's not bad. I, I used to play when I was younger. Um, at 15 years old, I had a 90-mile-an-hour pitch, believe it or not. Wow. That's pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's pretty good for 15. Wow. Yeah, I thought so, too. Obviously, I don't anymore. Now, I'd be lucky if I got a 10-mile-an-hour pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, did you play in college? No. No. High school was the last time I played. Okay. Right? Actually, I, to be honest, I, I'm one of those ones that I skipped college, then went back to it. Okay. So I, I finished high school, got into a business, and then when I was uh, out of that business, I uh, sort of had to figure out what do I want to do with myself. Mm -hmm. And part of the journey of what do I want to do with myself included going to uh, college. Okay. So, which is good because it worked out for me because I'll be honest, as much as uh, it took me, what, three tries or two tries, I went through three different, two or three different programs before I ended up in the one that I actually finished. Mm -hmm. Um and it's not surprising because I decided I was going to college. What do you want to take? What's available? Well, they came, three of them came uh, available. I picked one out of the three. Not suggested, uh, you know, that anyone ever does that. <laughs> if you're going to go, at least know what you want to go for. <laughs> so that's how I started college. And surprise, okay. surprise, I didn't finish that round. But then right. I got into, uh, I ended up going into uh, digital design. And that actually uh, happened because of a friend of mine who uh, used to be uh, in design. He used to work for a company that did a lot of high-end stuff, uh, high like a lot of brand names. If I were to mention, you'd recognize them. Um, so he worked for the company that uh, was behind that, and he was into the design end. So I remember I was working part-time at the time while, uh, you know, in, uh, at uh, Bally Fitness. Mm -hmm. And I was working in the pro shop at the time. I, brought a, I bought a brand-new computer, and when... Um, I didn't have time to drop it off at home and I didn't trust leaving it in the car, especially through the windows. People could see it and people tend to break into the cars there. So I brought it inside into work. So that uh, friend of mine saw it and he looked at it and says, Oh, new computer. He goes, yeah, do you have a, yes, do you have freehand? I go, I happen to have it. So we loaded it up and he showed me some stuff on it and showed me some design work and stuff. And I was fascinated by that. So I said, I'm going to go learn this. And that's the, that's, the degree or diploma, whatever it is that I uh, actually finished. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So, total fluke. I, I think sometimes things in life, you find opportunities and things by fluke. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's like you were saying, you just do it. Action, right? So, you experience things and you discover things through the experience. It It's, uh, for, for me, slightly uncomfortable to realize how much of modern civilization was accident. Um, medicine that was accidentally discovered, uh, technology accidentally discovered. Um, it's, it's a little uncomfortable, <laughs> the amount of accidents that led to this amazing life we get to live. True. That's totally true. Now, stupid question, but if you had to do anything over again, would you change anything or you, uh, or would you take the same route? Uh, a couple of things I would have done differently. Um, in classical music, I would have practiced. Um, I squandered most of my college degree in a pool hall. And, um, while I play pool very well, uh, I think that time would have been better spent practicing my instrument. Uh, so that's one thing I regret. I regret not practicing more, um, when I was in college, I think I could have been more devoted. Uh, the second thing is when I was at a college and I was doing like multiple entrepreneurial ventures, 
I had I had too many income streams. Um, I should have just had one. Um, I would have been way better served uh, going deep in one area than starting like three or something stupid like that. Uh, so yeah, if I could do it over, th those are two things I would do over. Interesting. But, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. I like that. I like that. I mean, I, uh, going back myself, probably, I wouldn't change what I did. I'd probably do everything exactly the same. I might just hold back on some of it. And I'll give you an example. Now, part of this lesson wouldn't happen if I didn't go through it. Now, example, when I was young, like we'll take high school. I was always, like I said, into the entrepreneurial role. I, w I had a little DJ business. I used to DJ in the clubs. My, in my intention was to be on radio. That was the whole reason. It was more of the radio than the DJing part, but regardless. And I used to, you know, in that business, while everyone else is going partying and enjoying themselves, you're the one working because you're putting on the party. Now, I remember I missed out on all the, all the uh, March break trips, all, all the summer getaways, mm -hmm. all this I, I missed everything because I was always DJing and working. Now, when I got older and I was out of that business, I decided I was going to play catch up. And I try to justify my catch up saying, okay, I didn't go then. And, but I'm going to, I'm going to do more. I'm going to do bigger and better so I can have a better time. Well, I learned that's not true. Sometimes you have to be in the moment. Once you miss the moment, you miss the moment, find a different one. Mm hmm. Right. So as an example, so I would go up and I would go to some place where my friends went to like some spring break thing. So here I am doing what they did at 18, 19. I'm doing it at 25. Now they spent a hundred bucks. So I said, you know what? If I go there and I, you know, I uh, double down or triple down or whatever, I'll have a better time. Well, I spent 500 bucks for what they spent a hundred bucks on. I can guarantee you that they had a better time with their hundred bucks <laughs> than I did with my 500. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's because what happens is it goes back to what I was just saying. If you miss the boat, you miss the boat. It's like, you're trying to recreate something that doesn't exist. Right. So now if I want to, and, I, and again, remember I did it when I'm 25, which means who am I hanging around with? I'm hanging around with other 18, 19 year olds. It doesn't work. You can't rewind. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was a hard lesson. Now, what I'm saying is I tried the um, I tried to what do you call it again? I, I tried to recreate a lot of things or I did everything. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I think it was, I would still follow the same route because it made me who I am today. But maybe if I spent 100 bucks or 200 bucks instead of 500 bucks, as an example, I would have had the same time without the extra expense. I didn't think it, that extra $300 brought me any more value. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But I needed to go through that to be who I am today. Otherwise I'd be somebody different. So. All right, Jared, I wanted to say thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Absolute yes, sir. Pleasure. It's been fun. Yes, sir. So. I'm going to be right back. So, guys, thanks very much. This has been today's episode. I, uh, If you want to listen to the audio, it will be on tomorrow. And, obviously, this was streamed live, so it's on video on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. 
I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, you can always reach out, reach out to me or reach out to Jared. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.